Amen. Right, you're in uh, Luke chapter 22, and, and for those of you that have been here or listening to our Wednesday night sermons, you, these, some of these passages are pretty familiar, um, as much of that is parallel to, to Matthew chapter 26, uh, which we've done, done over two parts of Wednesday so far. But um, we're in Luke 22 today, and we're going to look from verse 19, so Luke 22 and verse 19, which reads, And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. And the title of my sermon today is The Importance of the Lord's Supper. The Importance of the Lord's Supper. I'd like to pray before we continue. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for, um, well, the, you know, the, the gift of salvation and, and something that we, we come to think about and come to kind of really... Um, focus on at this time of year, Lord, especially um, help, help me to to preach, you know, what, what what we believe at this church clearly and accurately according to your word and boldly, Lord, and fill me with your spirit, please. Help everyone here to, to have open hearts to this, open ears, Lord, to, to want to hear what your word has to say, to um, to, to just really focus on, on your word and not, not other, you know, not either mine or other people's interpretation, just what your word has to say. In Jesus' name, pray all of this. Amen. Okay, so it's coming up to that time of year when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, which, which means that um, it's time to help you prepare for that, okay? We, we, um, yeah, there's some certain things that we need to understand when it comes to celebrating the Lord's Supper at this church. Uh, and some of you might be sitting here thinking, well, isn't the Lord's Supper a weekly morning event, you know, where we all share some alcoholic wine and have an individual wafer? Um, well, no, that's not the Lord's Supper, unsurprisingly. Some might say, well, isn't it sort of a, a monthly thing for the more hardcore church members? You know, some churches, it's just for the hardcore, you know, and, and it's just a monthly sort of event. Well, the, the Lord's Supper has varying interpretations of how it is to be observed, okay? And it's not just across denominations, if you want to call them that, but even for just what, what you know, Baptist you know, Bible-believing, independent, fundamental Baptist churches. There are different interpretations of how the Lord's Supper is observed. Um, I'm going to be showing you what our church, okay? Remember, our church is Shaw Foundation Baptist Church UK, okay? We are part of Shaw Foundation Baptist Church, and I'm going to show you what we believe, and it is not just, I'm not just parroting what our pastor believes. Um, the first year we did this, I, I, at that point, I was sort of, it's something I hadn't studied out, and I just look, we, we'll do what our pastor believes. But I've since looked into this myself in depth and I, I'm very confident that what we do is the right way to do this. And I'm going to preach that today to you. I preached it also last, uh, last year as well. Um, so I'm going to be preaching a sort of similar message um, about what we believe and how we believe the Lord's Supper should be observed. And, and re regardless of how different teachers churches teach about it and many churches do teach different things when to observe it etc no one can deny that the lord's supper is important okay i don't think anyone can deny the importance of the lord's supper if you're a disciple of the lord and i hope everyone here sitting in this church considers themselves a disciple then, then this is a clear command isn't it look at luke 22 and verse 19 luke 22 19 says and he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them saying this is my body which is given for you this do in remembrance of me okay so that's a command isn't it this do in remembrance of me was it just the bread no verse 20 then says likewise likewise also the cup after supper saying this cup is a new testament in my blood which is shed for you so we're told to do it in remembrance of him as with the bread the cup cup after supper is to be done in remembrance of him that's a pretty clear command but the question then is well when how why yeah and, and these are kind of common questions around the lord's supper and we're gonna we're gonna look at that in three points there we're gonna start with when so we look at the importance of the lord's supper it, it's a command to observe it it's talked about at length by paul in his first letter to the corinthian church we're going to look shortly at that but when do we do it is it weekly is it monthly is it every three months is it randomly well, point number one, when do we observe the Lord's Supper? We're going to look down at Luke 22 and verse 7, where it says, Luke 22, 7, Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. 
And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, when ye are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you, bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in. And ye shall say unto the goodman of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall show you a large upper room furnished, there make ready. And they went and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down, the twelve apostles with him, and he said unto them, With desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. What is it that is being described at this point? The Passover, isn't it? The Passover. What was the Passover? Well, keep a finger here and go back to Exodus 12 when we see the, the, the first Passover, its first institute in Exodus 12. And, and, and in Exodus 12, we've seen nine of the ten plagues of Egypt. We've seen Pharaoh's heart getting hardened. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 1, the Bible reads in Exodus 12, 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. And this is the month Abib, and this is sort of springtime. Seek ye unto... Seek ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth month of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbours next unto his house. Take it according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. What does the lamb represent? Well, I don't think you have to be sort of uh, the, the greatest Bible scholar to understand that the lamb represents the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to turn there. John 121, uh, John 129, sorry, says, The next day John saith Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus Christ, the eternal lamb, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Did they just get any old lamb here? Well, look at verse, verse 5. It says, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. Now, it was a male lamb and it was without blemish. What does that represent? The sinless Jesus Christ. The sinless Lord Jesus Christ. He was a lamb without blemish. Verse 6 then says, And ye shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorpost of the houses, wherein they shall eat it. This picture is the blood of Christ being applied to us. Some might say the doorpost of your heart. Verse 8 says, And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire his head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. For me, picturing Jesus Christ three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Verse 11 and thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Picturing our deliverance due to the blood of, blood of Christ being applied to our account. In verse 14, and this day shall be unto you for a memorial. And ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. So this was in the month of Eve, which I said, which corresponds to our springtime, around the end of March, early April, yeah? The Passover was to be observed yearly, but then Jesus Christ comes and fulfills the Passover, doesn't he? He was the eternal lamb, yeah? He fulfills the Passover. Go back to Luke chapter 22 and verse 15, where it says here, Luke 22, 15, and he said unto them, with desire I have desired, sorry, with desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So they've been celebrating this, should have been at least since then, and obviously we see it reinstituted at times when they've backslidden, but the Passover was to be done each year. He says, I've desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not in any more in 
sorry, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them saying, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper saying, this cup is a new testament in my blood, which is shed for you. So they're meeting for the yearly Passover, right? That's what the disciples were told they were preparing. The physical lamb is off the menu, isn't it? But, but he shares the bread and juice and says this do in remembrance of me, doesn't he? Now, Shore Foundation Baptist Church, and other churches do as well, believes that the Lord's Supper replaces the Passover. It replaces the Passover and is therefore to be observed once a year. Okay, that's what we believe at this church. And I'm not really fussed what other churches believe so much, you know, as long as it's not something heretical. But for me... I, I believe this is pretty clear. Yeah, this do in remembrance of me. Otherwise, well, when are we doing this in remembrance of him? Well, this do, what he's doing is showing the cup and the, and, and the, the unleavened bread at, at the time of year when they were celebrating the Passover up until this point. Now, we observe it just before we celebrate what? The resurrection of the Lord at Easter. Uh, and we also believe, by the way, that a once a year celebration of the Lord's Supper adds real significance to it, doesn't it? Okay, because I've been in churches where they're kind of doing it. I mean, I've been in full churches where they're doing this in the morning every week, right? Okay, in the old C of E churches and stuff. But I've been in, been in churches where they're doing this every month and it just becomes a sort of, oh yeah, yeah, it's, oh yeah, this one's a Lord's Supper one, yeah. And, and it doesn't have anywhere near for me the significance that we have at this church when we do it once a year. And we build up to this and we think about it and we dwell upon it. And, and for me, in the same way, the Passover was a big deal, wasn't it? Okay. It is a big deal, okay? The Lord's Supper is a big deal. I'm going to explain that to you in a bit. We'll look at the importance of the Lord's Supper. Number one, when do we observe the Lord's Supper? Once a year just before Easter. We believe that it's replaced the Passover. We do it once a year just before Easter. Number two, how do we observe the Lord's Supper then? How do we observe the Lord's Supper? Keep a finger here and turn over to 1 Corinthians 11, where Paul is reproving the Corinthian church for how they're observing it. Okay, so the Corinthian church isn't doing things the right way. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 17 says, Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together, this is 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen. that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. So they're coming together as a body of Christ, partaking in the Lord's Supper, but there are divisions in the church. Heresies, which are false teachings. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. So he's saying that what they're doing isn't the Lord's Supper. Okay, he's saying when you're coming together into one place, this you're not you're not really eating the Lord's Supper, and then he explains what they're doing is wrong, and I, you know, and I know people have said, well, this is because they shouldn't have been coming together to do it, but then later on he then says, when you come together, this is basically what you should be doing. Okay, so it's not about because they're coming together; it's because what they're doing isn't the Lord's Supper, and we see why. Verse twenty-one: For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. Now, drunken here is referring to being stuffed with food, okay? Look, look, he's just given one is hungry, the other is drunken for those that want to go, oh, look, it must be all right. It must be okay to have a booze up with the church members. Just don't do it at the Lord's Supper. Remember, that this is the same letter that he's just told him to kick out drunkards, okay? We're a few chapters on in the same letter where he said, if any man be a drunkard, to kick him out, okay? So here, and you can be drunken off food, anyone who can kind of has, has, has had gluttonous moments and that's probably most people in this church at some point okay can, can knows the feeling when you feel a bit drunk with food right okay basically they're bringing their own personal food okay and and some some can't afford much it seems and others are lording it over them stuffing their faces so they're like bringing the packed lunchbox with them, yeah? It's kind of like, you know, like we used to have here with the potlucks or, or with, with kind of Sunday food, at least at the old church, where you'd have, you know, someone came along with something quick and simple and ate and went out and then other people, it was like a four-course meal, you know? And it was like, look what I've made from scratch and look at this. And it's like, look, if that's, what you, if that's how you eat every day, sure, great. However, you sometimes got the feeling it was just for kind of church reasons. But anyway, let's keep going. Verse 22, what have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not? 
What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. So how do we observe the Lord's Supper? Well, first, we don't bring our own food with us. So in case anyone's kind of gearing up for, for the second and thinking, you know, let's start, let's start cooking up now. Let's start preparing the food. No, we don't bring our own food with us. Verse 23, for I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. So he's already told them how to do it. Okay, so Paul's already instructed the church how to observe the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is important, isn't it? Oh, well, there's only this place in Corinthians after the Gospels, you know, and, and maybe a couple of other references in, in, in the letter to the Corinthians. No, no, he's, he's told this church how to observe the Lord's Supper. It's important, okay? That's why Jesus Christ said this, do in remembrance of me, yeah? Okay, he's delivered it unto them. Now he's having to remind them, no, because they've been getting it wrong. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. How do we observe it? We break the bread before we pass it out as well. And you say, well, that's pretty simple, isn't it? You'd be surprised how many places are giving kind of pre-packaged individual things out no he broke it and gave it out yeah we're breaking the bread and giving it out okay the, the, it's symbolic there isn't it it's not just oh well here's some stuff that you know got kind of pre-manufactured into individual weird wafers I mean anyone seen that stuff <laughs> what are those things about anyway okay a sup is a sip we give out a small amount of what though? Okay, so we, we, it's a sip. It's not, it's not uh, you know, right, everyone glug back a, a pint of the juice. Um, but, but what is it that we give out? Here he called it the cup, didn't he? Look back at Luke 22. Well, hopefully I did say to keep a finger there where we started Luke 22 and verse 17 to 18 where Jesus refers to it first as the cup. It says, and he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And in Matthew 26, he called it the cup, then the fruit of the vine. Exactly the same in Mark 14, okay? These are the three gospel accounts of this. He, he, look, there could be no even just, well, maybe the wine here was alcoholic or not. No, it's never even called wine, yeah? It's the cup and the fruit of the vine. Look, this is important that you don't misconstrue this at all. Okay, because what does leaven represent? Sin. Yeah, if you're drinking alcoholic wine, which is meant to represent the sinless, pure blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, that is heresy, right? What on earth is that all about? Yeah, that's why we drink grape juice. And we actually, you know, and, and again, I'm, no, I'm not going to say that oh, it's heretical if you didn't, but we actually drink pure grape juice when we do it here because I don't think like grape juice drink yeah, with all the kind of additives and aspartame and everything else, is really a very good representation of the pure blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, yeah? So we drink pure grape juice here. In the same way that we also drink, use unleavened bread as well, okay? I don't come in with a loaf of Hovis when we have this, okay? We, we make unleavened bread at home for this, which is a picture of his sinless body. We use pure grape juice and simple unleavened bread. That's how we, that's how we do it here. Now, verse, uh, back to where you are in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 25, it says, After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Now, the often isn't talking about every time you eat unleavened bread and drink grape juice, okay? Every time you ever have any, Oh, no, was that unleavened this? bread I'm representing you know the 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 Lord's body here oh, oh glass of grape juice well okay well we must be partaking in the Lord's Supper no it's as oft as you drink what was previously the Passover cup and bread okay that's what it's about this bread and this cup of this ordinance okay which is what you're doing which is your represent you're doing what was just ordained by the Lord Jesus Christ as oft as you do this when did they do it once a year Okay, how do we observe it? We eat unleavened bread and unfermented grape juice. He then says this, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. 
For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. Okay, there are some strong warnings here. So we're going to go through them and make sure that everyone here observes the Lord's Supper in the right way. Verse 27 says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. How do you do this unworthily? Well, firstly, you need to make sure that you're saved. Okay, first off, you need to make sure that you're saved if you're going to partake in the Lord's Supper. Luke, in Luke 22 again in verse 14, it says this, just interestingly, and when the hour was come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. I think when I preached this on Matthew 26, I, I couldn't remember whether or not Judas was involved in it. Look, J Judas, for me, it seems he was involved with this, okay? The 12 apostles with him. Verse 21 says, but behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. Yeah. Then verse, verse 22, and truly the Son of Man goeth as it, as it was determined, but woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. Woe unto that man. And back in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven, and I'm not saying woe unto Judas because he happened to partake of the Lord's Supper, but it's interesting the terminology there, because verse 27 says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. And, and look, for me, if you're unsaved and you're partaking, it's unworthy, yeah? Like, woe unto you. Don't be getting involved in the body and blood, the representation of Christ, if you don't believe the gospel. Yeah? If you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ, don't partake in the Lord's Supper. Okay? Now, verse, verse 27, he said, Wherefore, whoso shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthy shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. There are other ways that you can partake unworthily, though. He then says in verse 28, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Now, that's talking about chastisement. Okay, and using the term sleep instead of die, often use the Bible to describe believers physically dying. Okay, verse 31 says, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. He's talking about chastening of the Lord, okay? So these are believers we're talking about here now, yeah? We're talking about believers doing this unworthily, okay? Look, if you're, you're unsaved, well, at least your chastisement isn't going to really come in this life. We, you're, not, you're not judging yourself, you know, ourselves. He's talking really to what should be majority saved people in the church. He's talking about being weak and sickly, many sleeping. Okay, so... They're believers doing it unworthy. The, the first warning, obviously, in this is don't treat it like some sort of gluttonous feast. And obviously, the way we observe it, it's a bit hard to do that, okay? Unless you're trying to, like, dip your hand in and take a bit of extra bread, you know, or something else, or get an extra few thimbles of grape juice. Well, look, that's not really going to happen, okay? However, look, Paul, Paul says in verse 33 to 34, Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. So you could argue, look, don't just kind of like get stuck in and try and, you know, well, forget everyone else. Let's just get what I can and everything else. We're going to do it all together. Otherwise, we'd be observing it wrong. Verse 34, And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together unto condemnation. The rest will I set in order when I come. So a, a bit hard, like I said, with the small amount that we give. But how else we should examine ourselves, judge ourselves, and make sure that we're worthy is interpreted in different ways, okay? And this is interpreted in many ways. And, and some of this has really bugged me in the past, okay? Because some will say, I've been in church, I, I was at a church, right? I mean, I was, uh, it really wound me up because, and, and again, this is a church which claimed to believe the gospel and claimed to believe it's grace through faith, you know, didn't add works, didn't believe, claim not to believe, repent of your sins and everything else. They, they added, if you have any sin in your life. If you have any sin in your life, this isn't for you. What? If you have any sin in your life, you can't partake in the Lord's Supper. That's ridiculous. Because 1 John 1 8 says, if we say we have, that we have no sin, we deceive, deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So anyone who's saying that they have no sin in their life is deceiving themselves. Now, now obviously there's different interpretations of what that means to have sin in your life. But just that blanket statement, can you imagine people there sitting there going, well... I mean, the other day I, I got a bit prideful. I got a bit. I had a foolish thought earlier. 
I mean, I mean, that's ridiculous, isn't it? If you have sin in your life, okay? So that is obviously nonsense. And then they'll, or they'll try this one, if you have any unconfessed sin. You have any unconfessed sin, the Lord's Supper is not for you. Really? Because who, who confesses every single one of their sins? Anyone here confess? Now, I, I was talking to someone on the door last week who said to me, uh, she said, well, I just ask for forgiveness for all my sins every night, because uh, this was based on her kind of continual works to keep her salvation, yeah? I confess, or I just kind of ask for forgiveness for every sin I've done today. So if you've forgotten one night not to ask for like a blanket forgiveness for just uh, your general sins that you can't even name and list and everything else, then you're not worthy. That's nonsense, right? Absolute nonsense. Okay, it's got nothing to do with that. And obviously, you know, she was talking about for salvation, but then she was kind of, you know, twisting and turning everything else. Okay, another one they'll say is if you're in sin, if you're in any sin, what does that mean? I mean, that's very subjective. What does it mean to be in sin? Well, it is, you know, when I was a little bit, answered something a bit dishonestly because of the pride in me or something, you know, was I in sin? Am I still in sin? Am I out of sin now? Because that was five minutes ago, ten minutes ago? Was it, is an hour out of sin? Again, it makes no sense, does it? And, and it's very just, it's just very ambiguous. So people are then wondering and unsure and, oh no, that, that's why I tripped up and smashed my head open the following week. It's because I was, I was in sin. Look, look, okay, it's nonsense. Look, what do we believe here, though? First, that you should be baptised. Okay, we do believe that you should be. The first thing to do if you're saved is to get baptised. I, I would find it very strange to partake in the Lord's Supper without having had believer's baptism. Okay, and let's just make it clear. It's believer's baptism. If you got baptised when you didn't believe the gospel, you're not baptised. Okay, you know... What, what doth hinder me to be baptised, if thou believest with all thine heart thou mayest? Okay, you need to believe with all your heart to get baptised. So if you got baptised in your, you know, in your false church days, if you got, I mean, if you got sprinkled as a baby, you're not baptised, why are you partaking the Lord's Supper? Why have you not done the first thing you're told to do, which is get baptised? Okay, so, look, if you're saved, get baptised. It's the answer of a good conscience toward God. I would say, look, you got that, that, look, that is, that's a big sin. You know, you're just going, nah, forget that. Not interested in the baptism part. Then I've got to be, basically, I've got to humble myself and go, yeah, actually, when I got baptised before, I was unsaved. And, and look, if you're not accepting that, if you're going, well, I think I was probably saying, you, look, you've got issues. You've got to need to start questioning. You need to start checking yourself. Am I even saved? I even accepted that I needed salvation. If, if I'm still clinging to the baptism I got when, when I clearly wasn't saved. The baptism I got in the whatever, the Pentecostal church, in the whatever church, in the, look, it's nonsense. So first you need to get baptised, okay? What else, do we, what else do we believe? Well, this passage is in the middle of a letter where one of the main subjects is church discipline. Kicking people out for fornication, isn't it? Okay, it's a big theme of, of 1 Corinthians. Obviously, the, the kicking him out, we then see it talked about in 2 Corinthians as well. Okay, so turn to 1 Corinthians 5, because when dealing with it, Paul uses a comparison to the Passover and the Lord's Supper. And in 1 Corinthians 5, in the first few verses, Paul's saying that there's this guy that has been fornicating with his father's wife. Now, some people have tried to question, well, how does that work? Isn't it adultery? Well, for me, it occurred before they were married, okay? So he had been fornicating with this woman who then got married to his, to his dad, who's either divorced or, or, you know, or widowed or something like that, yeah? Okay, so, so because it's fornication, and people try and use it, go, see, fornication can mean adultery, and suddenly we've got grounds for divorce for all these different reasons. No, it's fornication, that's why it says fornication. Okay, that's why I didn't say adultery. Okay, so for me, before they were married, he then tells them to kick him out. And he says in verse 6, Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. A leaven, by the way, is, is what we would call, I suppose, sourdough starter, but basically yeast. Yeah. It, it, it represents sin and how eventually it affects the whole church. Okay, the reason we have church discipline, the reason that... If you don't follow church disciplines as a church, you're mad because it will ruin your whole church. Okay, if we're not kicking people out for what the Bible says to kick people out for, then we're going to end up with a little leaven leavening the whole lump. 
okay? So here he says, he says, your glowing is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. What's he talking about keeping a feast? Because the Passover is being fulfilled. So what's the feast? Well, it's the Lord's Supper, isn't it? It's the Lord's Supper which replaces the Passover, and it's the feast. It's not, well, let's, you know, kind of meet up weekly or let's do our monthly thing. It's keeping the feast which has replaced the Passover, okay? He's saying to get rid of this guy and this sin in the same way that the Passover was observed by getting rid of leaven, wasn't it? Okay? Now, he then says to... He then says after that, to keep the feast not with the old sin, or by replacing it with malice and wickedness, because this can happen, can't it? Whether, you, whether it's because you've kicked someone else, someone out, or many of the other reasons around this, uh, and, or even instead of, but that it should be observed with sincerity and truth. Okay, and, and we want to be observing, we want to be observing the Lord's Supper with sincerity and truth, right? Okay, we therefore, with that in mind, believe that the following list of sins to be in would make you unworthy of the Lord's Supper. Okay? That's what we believe because the Bible says to kick out these people. They shouldn't be in church, let alone partaking in the Lord's Supper. So, look, on that you go, well, but they haven't been kicked out. So why are you even going to read this? Yeah, because we don't necessarily know. No, I don't know. I, look, I, I've stopped putting hidden cameras in your houses a long time ago. <laughs> I'm kidding, all right? Okay. I only did that once. <laughs> that okay, look, look, we, we, look, I don't know. I don't know what you do, okay? Eventually, look, God's going to reveal it to me if you don't sort yourself out, yeah? But I don't know what you're going and doing, okay? So, look, it's up to you. That's why you're told to examine yourself. That's why you're told to judge yourself on the back of this list of sins which should get you kicked out of church. So for me, it would be madness then to be partaking in the Lord's Supper if you shouldn't even be in the house of God, Yeah? So let's have a look at this, this list. And by the way, you could also say that if we as a church ignore this stuff, then we would be unworthy too, wouldn't we? If I knew, if I knew and I had evidence, and when I say no, like when you know for sure, and that people are involved in this sort of stuff, and if I'm going, oh, don't worry, then I'm, I'm, look, I'm an issue here as well, aren't I? Because I'm basically partake of this. But you could also say the same with everyone else here. So if you're, if you're, look, if your buddy at church is involved in this stuff and you think, well, we're such good mates, you know, I, I'm showing what a good friend I am by not saying anything to the church. Well, look, firstly, you should be, you should be coming to the church. You should be coming to me and saying, look, because a little leaven leavens a whole lump if you love the rest of your church. But secondly, look, you shouldn't be partaking the Lord's Supper either, right? Okay, so he says this, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. This is verse 9. Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for them must ye needs go out of the world. But now I've written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such a one, know not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them that also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within. But them that are without God judgeth. Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. And of course, I've gone through this stuff at, in depth, at length, in the series Sins That Get You Kicked Out of Church. That was quite a long, rough series, wasn't it? You know? But it was needed. You know, and for a lot of people, look, look, this isn't, you know, this isn't like Baptist church belt in the UK, yeah? And when I say Baptist church, I mean like proper Baptist church who actually want to follow the Bible. Yeah, look, most people don't have a clue about half of this stuff. Most people don't turn up to a church going, oh, yeah, I know that you shouldn't be involved in this and people should get kicked out for that. Most people have no idea. Okay, so that stuff does need preaching. We need reminding stuff. A lot of people just need training into how to be part of a proper church life, a Bible-believing church's life, because most churches are just like, bring them in. Fornicators, get them in. Because that's, that's loving, isn't it? That's the love of Christ. Sodomites, get them in. Just get them all in, you know, because then we can show how much more loving we are than Jesus Christ. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says kick them out, okay? So we kick them out. But again, we kick them out when we have reason to kick them out, okay? And we're not looking to kick people out. We want people to get right. The idea of this is for you to look at it and go, I don't want to be on this list because then I'm not right with God. 
I want to get right and I want to be a part of church life. And that's what we ultimately want here. But if not, if you look at this, you go, yeah, whatever. Uh, as long as they don't know, etc., etc. Get out then, because we don't want the rest of the church being leavened with that, with that little bit of leaven. Okay, so verse 11, he says, But now I've written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunken or extortioner, with such a one, no, not to eat. So what's a fornicator? For those of you that are unaware, a fornicator is someone who's basically having a physical relationship outside of marriage. Okay, if you're having a physical relationship outside of marriage, and when I say outside of marriage, that's if neither party is married, otherwise it's adultery, then you're in fornication. Okay, if you're in fornication, then you're not welcome in this church. Okay, now, just a, just a heads up on this, because we'd had this before, where someone gets saved, and it's like, right, you're not allowed, look, let's talk about a brother, okay, a brother, someone we call a brother is someone who really is a part of our church. So if someone visits our church, we're not going, right, uh, Usher, better go through the list of checklists on, on the door, okay? No, we want people to come in. We want to get people into this church. We want to encourage. However, if they want to start coming regularly to our church, then they better cut this out, and we're going to give them a, a short, and when I say a short amount of time, because no one needs to have the, the, the Barbie doll wedding nonsense, you know, 50, 60, 70 grand, you know, get yourself in debt for the rest of your life. You know, we need a year to plan it nonsense, yeah? Either get married, shotgun wedding, or break up, yeah? Or we don't want you in the church, okay? But again, we don't usually do that with a new visitor. We're gonna, if someone starts to come more than once, twice, three times a church, then we start, then we wanna make sure, yeah? Okay, and that's how it works with that. So fornication, covetousness. Okay, covetousness is someone who basically is, is, has an inordinate desire for money, for things, for other stuff. And we've, I've, again, I've preached about this at length. If you're unsure about any of this stuff, if you're sitting here going, I don't know, I could be on this list, please just go onto our YouTube channel. It's really easy. Yeah, just go on, look under playlists, and you'll see sins that get you kicked out of church. And we've got every single one of these, and we've got probably on some of them an hour and 15 minutes of preaching because there's so much to say about it on, on each of these sins, okay? And it explains to you exactly what we believe here does constitute and doesn't constitute that, and I can't do that in this ser sermon, um, you know, without it being a very long sermon. Okay, so the covetous. Covetous people, again, people will covet things. That doesn't make you covetous, okay? People will covet now and again. To be what's described as a covetous person, again, that sermon will explain that to you, but it's someone who's who's just basically constantly thinking and making it really because it's idolatry as well, is putting money, things, stuff here and God here, okay? And there's many ways people do that. Like, for example, coming into church trying to trade and make money out of people and all that weird stuff we've had going on here before. Okay, idolaters. Now, some go, oh, well, that's for like India or something, isn't it? That's for, well, no, for me, if, look, if, if, all the, if all the gods of the heathen are idols, if you're worshipping any other form of God, then you're an idolater, okay? So that would include people that maybe, you know, if someone comes to our church once a month, but the rest of the time they're at Repent of Your Sins Baptist, I, for me, I would call that person idolater. If they're worshipping, and when I say out there, if they've got no idea, they've got no idea. They're like, well, I think I'm at an right church. But if you're worshipping a false God, you're worshipping an idol, aren't you? And you're, you're an idolater, okay? And if I have evidence of that, you're not welcome in the church, okay? We don't want idolaters here, right? Now, you might be unsaved and come to the church, but again, if you consider yourself a part of our church, then we want to make sure that you're not an idolater, and, and if we have evidence of that, then... then and, and that can be, obviously, worshipping statues and images and things like that as well. Railers? Anyone ever heard preaching on railing before? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Railers, again, people who are just basically slandering, dishonest, you know, making up lies about people, etc. Okay, again, if we have evidence of that. Um, drunkards, okay, and, and people, oh, what's a drunkard? So, you know, basically, if, if and, and there are a few different interpretations of this. A, a good rule of thumb is this, look, because one, if you're regularly getting drunk, you're a drunkard. What's regular? Well, look, if, if, if the way I see it is, is like this. Look, if you come to a church like this and you still feel the need to go and get drunk, I would probably have you down as a drunkard. Now, some go, well, what exactly is drunk? 
Well, again, it's open to interpretation, you could say, but I think the way that maybe, uh, I know Verity Baptist Church looks at it like this, if you're, if, if you're, uh, if you have like a drink driving conviction, yeah, you get, you, you've, you've had a drink driving and you're what he, they would consider someone who is potentially a drunkard, yeah? So if you're still drinking, then you've got issues, right? Okay, if you, if you, um, uh, here's another thing, if you're drinking on your own, if you go home and you have to crack open a beer or a glass of wine or whatever it is at home on your own, that's not social drinking. And don't get me wrong, I'm not advocating social drinking, it's all wicked, okay? However, look, you're a drunkard, okay? And again, look at, this, look at the sermon on that, but you know, an easy way to avoid any, any suspicion of being a drunk, don't drink, yeah? Like, what a wicked sin that is. And that, that can't be preached enough from behind a pulpit. And in this country, how many people just wreck their lives in this nation alone through alcohol, through boozing, drunken nights out, drunken nights in, drunken rows, drunken breakups, drunken weirdness, drunken perversion, drunken everything, yeah? Let's just, just make sure we don't have it in this church, yeah? Um, extortioners. And again, uh, have we got any extortioners in this church? Well, you know, again, I preached a sermon on this and, and looked into it at length. And, and here's one that we have had here, okay, and we will probably, you know, sadly have in the future, is people that try and pull on the heartstrings of someone and coerce them into giving them handouts, giving them cash, giving them money, and, and they'll, they'll act like, oh, God bless you, you've been such a blessing to me and my family and everything else. What, what on earth? You're just taking handouts off someone in, in our church, just, just claiming you're, you're just so neat. You know, when you're, when, when, like, what on earth is that? In a country where we have a benefit system. In a country where the church doesn't need to provide for you. It's ridiculous. Anyway, and there's other versions of extortioners. And we'll add causing divisions and offences, and he talks about that earlier, didn't he? Just in 1 Corinthians 11 anyway. Causing divisions and offences contrary to the doctrine. And there's, again, there's a few interpretations of that. I preached at, uh, at length about that, but people that are trying to preach little things, you know, little whispers here and there, again, not, not A, not welcome, and B, not welcome in the Lord's Supper. And obviously... What, what I preached on sodomy and similar vile affections, okay? Because then we just go back to, well, you're unsaved, you shouldn't be partaking the Lord's Supper, yeah? Let alone, just let's not even go there, okay? So, okay, we've gone through that. We've got a long list. Obviously, Matthew 18 doesn't really kind of apply because if we have a Matthew 18 situation, that person's getting kicked out if they're not dealing with, with you know, what they've been told to do in Matthew 18. But, so that's not something you're going to be doing secretly. But all of these things, look, you'd be amazed. You could sit there and go, well, look, we're a, a soul-winning church, Bible believers, Bible readers. You'd be amazed what goes on behind closed... You'd be amazed, sadly, what, what will go on when people shut the door behind them of this church, get in their car and drive home. You'd be absolutely amazed, OK? And what's my point? My point is, look, we're about to celebrate the Lord's Supper here, okay? We're told to examine ourselves. We're told to judge ourselves. We're told to not do it unworthily on the back of a letter to a church where he's just given a list of things to kick people out of the church for, okay? So something you need to examine yourselves about. It's not for me to examine you, okay? Last point, we don't police the Lord's table, okay? I'm not going to go around going, hmm, you know, brother so-and-so, so... Where were you last night at five, nine o'clock? You know? Okay, he didn't say pub, okay. Uh, what about, okay, that's, it's not, that's not my business. You examine yourself. You judge yourself, okay? Right. We look at the importance of the Lord's Supper. Number one, when do we observe the Lord's Supper? Once a year, just before Easter. Number two, how do we observe the Lord's Supper? We don't bring our own. We break and eat unleavened bread and sip unleavened juice. We do it worthily by judging and examining ourselves, okay? Number three, why do we observe the Lord's Supper? Why do we observe the Lord's Supper? Now, we've already seen the command in Luke 22, 19, this do in remembrance of me. It's repeated here where we are in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 24. Go back to 1 Corinthians 11, sorry, in 24, where it says, and when he had given thanks, 1 Corinthians 11, 24, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. 
after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped saying this cup is the new testament in my blood this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me and really that should be enough shouldn't it okay that should be enough he told he told us to do it but he tells us to do many things in life that we still don't do right he commands us to do many things and many people don't do those things he commands them to do uh, and we should obviously try our best to do everything that God commands us to do. But there's something extra special about the Lord's Supper, isn't there? Look at verse 26. It says, For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. So every year when we observe the Lord's Supper, we're not just talking about our salvation. Okay, we're not just talking about heaven, about being saved from hell. And look, these are great things to talk about. We're not just talking about the resurrection, which we then do soon after at this time of the year. No, we're showing the Lord's death. We're showing the Lord's death. We're focusing and dwelling on the Lord Jesus Christ dying for our sins, that he gave his life a ransom for all. Okay, and we're focusing and dwelling on that. We're symbolising his body that was given for all and his blood that was shed for the remission of sins, yeah? So we're really, uh, it, when, we, when we focus on the Lord's Supper, when it's not just like a sort of monthly sort of just, oh yeah, that's what we do, you know, last Sunday of the month or whatever they do in some of these church stuff. Look, we're really, like for me, I know, I know, doing it like this and once a year, look, we really think about it, we really dwell upon it. We, we kind of, we're thinking about it as we prepare for it. When we partake in the Lord's Supper, we're focusing on, we're showing the Lord's death, aren't we? his death we're thinking about that death with and we then soon after we'll focus on his resurrection right we're thinking about what he went through and we, we've been going through uh, the gospel of Matthew in, in our Wednesday evenings and Matthew 26 we were just looking at you know Jesus Christ is is praying in the garden and just it's, it's heart-wrenching what you know just thinking what Jesus Christ went through for us and he, you know he, he died a horrible death for, for sinners such as myself and all of you out there, look, it's amazing really, isn't it? And it's something that we dwell on at this time of the year. Turn to Romans 5, John 15, 13. Well, you're turning there, says, you turn to Romans 5, John 15, 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And look, you know, we, he died for us before we were even friends, right? And he's done amazing things for us and it's something that we want to focus on we want to remember we want to recognize Romans 5 and verse 7 says for scarcely for a righteous man will one die yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us and as sometimes I think when we go through the gospel and other things we kind of you almost gloss over that don't you the fact that he died he died he gave his life willingly a ransom for all. He died for our sins. For, for while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, and that, that, that's some love that he that he gave for us, isn't it? And that's amazing. And that's something that we think about. It is a somber, respectful time that we have here, but it's an essential one, isn't it? Essential one. And just to to remember how big that you know what a massive price was paid for everyone here's salvation and everyone out there's potential salvation. And, and the other thing is, it's one of only two ordinances, really, major ordinances in the New Testament, along with baptism. It's, it's hardly a hardship, is it? Okay, it's, oh man, you've got to do that Lord's Supper. Look, try living in the Old Testament, yeah? <laughs> okay, you would have been doing a lot of ordinances, right? Okay, and look, it's one of two. One of two major ordinances, and what are both of them doing is showing that death, at least with baptism, burial, resurrection. And really, of course, you can't separate the, the, the resurrection from the, from the death of Christ. But we're specifically just focusing on his death, and then straight after, we're then going to celebrate his resurrection. Okay, and, and it's not exactly a, a big hardship. It's hardly, you know, oh, just look, and I'm going to talk about this in a second. But before I do, just to remind you, why do we observe the Lord's Supper? Number one, because we're commanded to. Number two, because we're showing the Lord's death. And number three, because it's only one of two major ordinances to keep. And here's the thing, if, if you've examined and judged yourself, okay, and, and you've 
gone through this and you're like, yeah, okay, I've gone through it, I'm over the next and that's something we should do and we should think about, are we harboring issues for people? It's actually, you did talk about division as well. We don't want to have division in our church. We want to make sure that we feel right, you know, towards our, our fellow church members, etc. Then please be here on Sunday, April the 2nd. It's been in our bulletin for a while now. I didn't want to leave it too long to preach this, okay? It, it's one evening, one evening in the whole year because for some, look, for, for, you know, for reasons you have, you might not be able to always make evenings. You might not be able to always make Sundays. You might not be able, but, and, and you might go, oh, well, I don't want, I want to come down when, you know, when I think it's going to be a really fiery sermon. Or maybe not. I want, you know, I want to come when it's just like, a, when we've got like the soul winning day, the day before, whatever else. Look, this should be in your calendar. Okay, this should be in your calendar. This should be the evening that, that you make sure that you, where possible, you can come to, yeah? Because, look, it's a, it's a big deal, and it's once a year. It's an important event, okay? The importance of the Lord's Supper, and we're going to be celebrating it on Sunday, the 8th or the 2nd at 4pm. On that, let's pray. Father, thank you for um, your, your death, your, you know, burial, resurrection, the, you know, God in the flesh came and died for us and just... It's amazing. It's amazing that, that the Lord Jesus Christ did that. That, um, that you know, he 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 gave himself willingly. That he went to went to hell for us. That, that you know, something that none, no one here deserves. That was given freely, Lord. We we, we you know, it's amazing that that you know that what what went on, you know, a couple of thousand years ago for all mankind. Um, and and help us to to want to really recognise that with this coming Lord's Supper. Help us to to you know get right to be able to to you know observe it. Help us to 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 you know judge ourselves. Help us to make sure that we're you know that we're we're right. That our hearts are right. That we want to just just want what's best for this this church for you for the body of Christ. Help us to just you know come here with a with a clean heart with all those things that we've just talked about no none of us are sinless no none of us can get sin out of our lives but help us to to at least get those those big major things which which can and should disqualify us from church attendance help us to make sure we're right on those things lord and help us to to therefore then then you know come here and be able to with a clean heart just just think in depth and focus on your um you know what what was done for us your son dying on that cross and um just just what that means for us help us to focus on that um in the build up to it as well help us to preach that loud and clear as we go out this afternoon help us to get uh, many people saved lord and help us to to uh, return here for this evening's service and in jesus name for all of this amen